This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means that you are listening to another episode of the Crowncast, and it's on, baby. It is finally here. The season is upon us. We've done the preseason. We've done the pre-preseason. We've done the post-preseason. It's finally season time. And I know that my regular podcast uh, co-host Justin is going to be happy about that because we finally get to talk football. It's Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. And since we're going to be talking about football, we thought we would bring on somebody who uh, is so good at talking about football. She literally put it in her name. It's Jess from Jess Talks Football. Hello, Jess. That is a perfect introduction. Thank you so much for having me. Delighted to be here. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Logan. We've been waiting for this week for a very long time, and I just want to get to Saturday right now. Yep. I think at this point in time, everyone is kind of just ready to hit the go button. Um that's that's kind of where we're all at. I think that we have we've hit all of the preseason stuff hard enough. And so we are going to go into talking about our starting 11s. We're going to talk about the players we think could have a big impact on the season. We're going to make some bold predictions. Uh, we're going to protect Jess's uh, job from some of those <laughs> bold predictions. But first and foremost, we have to make Jess an official member of the Crown cast. And uh, in order to do that, Jess you are going to have to give out a crown. Uh, we regularly give out crowns and cards in our post reacts for players that we feel like uh, really exceeded expectations or fell a little bit short. We're not going to make you give out any cards. For guests, we say we'd like you to give out one crown, but your crown is going to be special. Okay. You have the unique perspective of working in the media room with all of the people who do the work behind the scenes, right? All the people who help get out the the social media post all the people who get out the radio stuff all the people who dedicate huge portions of their lives to filling dead air on radio time <laughs> in that media room i would like you to give out a crown somebody you feel like the listeners may not know who you feel like deserves to be recognized for the work they put in yeah you're putting me on the spot here because there's a lot of people that help me succeed and help me get special access and things like that so there's two w's that i'm thinking of right now and i'm sure you know <laughs> that they uh there's two of them and i'm trying to decide who i'm gonna go with i am going to go with will martin sorry woody yep. but we're yep. gonna go with will martin who is so important when it comes to the media's relationship with the players working in the PR and making sure that we get access for the interviews and things like that. And he is a real trooper. Can I give an honorable mention to Woody just so that he gets a little bit of a shout out? Cause I think I might've broken his ego. Yeah, no, that's totally fine. I mean, we are actually here to, to break people's egos. You know, only one can really stand on top of the mountain. And I think we all know that's will. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> But Woody seems like a pretty good guy. Hey, Woody, please don't revoke our media access. And <laughs> uh, he, he deserves to get shouted out as well. I'm also going to have you uh, give us a crown for a player who did really well in preseason that, that you saw. Do you have one that kind of stood out to you? Yeah, I think Kerwin Vargas. I think we already knew a lot about Kerwin in terms of flashes that we've seen. But the impact that he had in preseason the effect that he's had in the team, you know, obviously with it all being a lot of it behind closed doors, we only saw the highlight reel, but when you're looking at our highlight reel and 70% of those positive plays involves the Colombian, then you know he's doing something right. And I think that he's a player that's going to be really important for us if he's able to continue that momentum into the regular season. 
that is a really good shout out. And we may have you talk a little bit about Kerwin Vargas later because uh, I am going to jump into my starting 11 so that we can get into sort of nailing down our starting 11 as a, as a group here. My starting 11 for the season. If I was in Christian Latanzio's shoes, in goal is Pablo Cisniega. Uh, we're going to be playing two center backs. It's going to be Adelson Milanda and Tuloma. And I believe uh, that... real quick on that. Oh, that right. is uh, Bill Toiloma, who uh, we just traded with the Portland Timbers to acquire. We we gave up a pretty considerable amount of general allocation money to get him. It's 800000 this season and 100000 in potential add-ons. But, um, you know, unfortunately, with the unfortunate passing of, of Anton, we were a little light, I think, at center back. And uh, the front office saw the opportunity, I think, to make this move. And I think it's a good one. He's a 27-year-old. He's a, he's a Kiwi. He's a New Zealander. Um, he's played center back for, for a, a long time here. He, he, even though he's only 27, he's got some time at Marseille B in the, the French second division. Um, he's got a lot of years with Portland, uh, you know, their primary team and their B team. And so, uh, we're excited to have Bill Toiloma here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's, that'll be a talking point. I think for us that you're putting him in your starting 11. That is true, and thank you, because we have not actually officially put out the news that Bill Tuiloma is in, uh, so it is important that we announce him. Uh, on to the right back, we have Nathan Byrne. Uh, back at left back, I think we're going to see Harrison Awful in the sort of two defensive midfield roles that potentially slide up into eights. We're going to see Ashley Westwood and Brant Bronico. Starting in the 10-ish role uh, will be Carol Swiderski. On the left will be Kamil Yozwiak. On the right, I believe, will be Mackenzie Gaines. And up front, I think that we are going to see Capetti. Uh, really quick, oh. Jess, <laughs> with the exception of Gaines, because yeah. we, have, we, have another, we have another host who is definitely going to want to talk about Mackenzie Gaines. Is there anyone on there that jumps off the page at you and says that's not right? No, I think that the lineup is difficult when you've got two players that did a really good job in defensive midfield and Derek Jones at the end of the season as well. I think it's tough because you can't really play both Derek Jones and Brant Bronico when you've got Westwood, right? That mm -hmm. acquisition was incredible. And we've seen Westwood and what he's doing already, his vision, what he offers to this team. And you can't replace that experience that he has at the most elite level as well. But dropping DJ to the bench feels quite tough on a player that was really finding a stride. However, Brant Bronico is the heart and soul of this club, right? We've seen him really earn his spot and maybe prove a lot of people wrong due to his time at Chicago Fire, where maybe he didn't have the best parts of his career. Now he's been incredible. So it's a tough one. I feel bad for Derek Jones. And I think we may see some interchange between him and Brant Bronico this season. I'm not sure that we'll see Brant Bronico 36 plus games of the year but I think that Derek Jones is going to be a player that will have a bit of a chip on his shoulder if he does sit on the bench and will want to really try and displace that defensive midfield so when we get to Derek Jones we saw a lot of him in preseason actually playing as a replacement center back mm -hmm. and my personal opinion and I think I managed to, to sway Justin over <laughs> to this is that he actually did a pretty good job in the center I back position him. yeah um, I really liked him do you think there's a chance that he played well enough in preseason that he will be considered, if not the first option, as maybe the first one off the bench in the center back position? 
it's a tough one, right? I think that Bill's not been here long enough, really. Uh, it's going to be a difficult one to try and transition him into that starting lineup right away. I wonder if maybe we don't see him starting on Saturday, just because, as you mentioned, um, DJ did play a lot of time in that role during preseason and looked pretty consistent. What I like about DJ is his composure. He's very good on the ball. He's a physical presence. He's smart with his vision. That said, a player that's used to being in midfield maybe takes a few more gambles, which does make me nervous with him in that CB role. You've got Jan Sobinczynski. You've got Guzman Kuruho coming back from injury in the nearish future. It's a hard one, but I think DJ's natural position is in the midfield rather than the centre-back. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see him on Saturday just because of how quickly you're asking Tuiloma to transition into a starting lineup. So here's where you have to put your name down on somebody, right? You have you are Christian Latanzio. Come Saturday, are you starting a defensive pairing of Adelson Mwanda and Bill Tuiloma, or are you starting Derek Jones and Adelson Mwanda? I think I'm doing Derek Jones just because of the consistency. The one thing that we found out in the presser with Tuiloma is he's fluent in French, which is a big fact in terms of that relationship with Adelson, knowing that they can both speak French to each other is really special in that partnership. But I still think a week is a very short time to get someone up to play with the game plan, you know? So I think I'm going with DJ, but if Latanzio picks Tuiloma, then I'm excited to see that relationship begin between the two centre-backs. All right, Justin, yeah. I, I, have your, I have your starting 11 in front of me and you picked Jones as well. Do you want to add in on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with Jess in that this is not enough time to bring a new center back to the squad up to, uh, you know, up to what's expected of the system. And Latanzio has shown that the system is more complex than you might, you know, than than maybe some other center backs might find it. You're not going to just step in and go, okay, well, my job is just to make some tackles and then, you know, pass out to the backs. There's there's an expectation that you're going to progress the ball. You're going to find uh, better passes and. I think that Toyoloma long-term is going to, you know, step in front of DJ for, for the center back role right now. I think we're still better off with, with DJ getting a start. And then, you know, I do think that Toyoloma, if that's the case, Toyoloma is the guy who makes the bench. Toyoloma is the guy who maybe comes in, you know, if Jones needs to come off 60, 75 minutes, something like that. Uh, you know, I think that that's more likely than Toyoloma getting the start and then seeing, you know, whether it's Jan Sabasinski or, or, you know, Jones coming in off the bench for, for him if it's necessary. Um, the other place I think that, that, you know, it sounds like maybe Jess and I agree is I rate Kerwin Vargas on the right a little higher than Mackenzie Gaines. I know that we're going to give Josh a great opportunity uh, uh, to defend Mackenzie Gaines when he gets on here. But I, I think that, you know, Jess and I might agree that the the product that Vargas brings mm-hmm. in and around the box, the delivery that he brings, is more dangerous than the pace that McKenzie brings. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think McKenzie offers the pace, and he had been working on his final product towards the end of last season. We saw a couple of assists. We saw some better deliveries. But I think the consistency of Kerwin Vargas is what's going to slide him ahead for me. I think consistently he's involved. And also we've seen quite a bit of the defense of Cohen Vargas at times. And in this role, it's very important that our wingers are able to get back and defend. I think we see that with Camille. He is very competent defending. And I think that's an area of the game that actually both Kerwin and McKenzie need to try and develop to the next level is that defensive prowess. But I think perhaps Vargas is a little bit more uh, adequate with that at the moment. 
All right. Well, then I'm going to move us along to the midfield. Westwood, Bronico, and Swiderski. We saw Swiderski drop back from the striker position into the 10. That's kind of become his new home. But we saw him end up as a very floating 10. He drifts fairly far out to the left. He drifts fairly, fairly far out to the right. And we've seen a lot of rotation where even Swiderski kind of ends up into that defensive midfield. Jess one. Do you feel like Westwood, Bronico, and Swiderski is the the pairing in that midfield? And two, how do you see those players operating? Yeah, right now I think it is. I, I do. Like I say, I'm I'm a big Derek Jones fan, but I still think that based on preseason and based on the fact that Derek Jones didn't get much time in midfield in preseason, then you've got to go with the chemistry that you're build, building it in the middle of the park. And that would be the three players that you mentioned. This is a big year for Swiderski. I think that for the first time, he's going to feel like he has someone ahead of him, potentially in Copetti or whoever else is going to play. I know we've got some opinions coming later on that, I'm sure. But it's going to be a big year for him to have some firepower potentially up there to be able to assist. There's less of a burden on his back and it will be an interesting way to see how that plays out for him as a confidence in his players. Westwood, I mean, I don't think there's enough superlatives for some of the deliveries that he's able to bring to the park. I was a little nervous, I'm not going to lie, because he's coming off that big injury that he had last year, but he doesn't look like he's missed a step in terms of his reading of the game, in terms of his soccer IQ. Brian Bronico, you know what you're going to get with him, right? Always a thousand percent. And I think that him and Westwood are going to be able to pivot really nicely to allow both of them an opportunity to go box to box when it's necessary. I think both of them as a lot of defensive midfielders like to have an eye for going forward and enjoy that bursting run forward. And I think understanding each other and understanding when one goes, the other has to sit is going to be really important to the success of this team. But I do think Westwood is the biggest upgrade we could ask for in terms of vision, being able to split passes, being able to create opportunities. And that's what we need, right? I think one of the things we lacked last year was creating good opportunities and scoring enough goals to really win games consistently. And hopefully, with this midfield trio really finding themselves and developing chemistry and being able to connect with those ahead of them, we'll be able to have consistent opportunities, good level opportunities created because the more opportunities you get, the more goals you're going to score. Yeah. My, my descriptor, cause you said, you know, there are so many superlatives. My descriptor of Ashley Westwood was he is good at the football. Uh, really <laughs> when we brought it all not down bad. to it, not too yeah. shabby, not too shabby, not I, I've seen worse, right? Um, I would include myself in that category by a very, very long margin. Uh, I'm going to go over sort of my bench really quick, just based on what we've seen. And if you feel like there's anyone who really deserves to be included, uh, Jess, we're going to start with you. Call it out. If not, we'll move on to Justin. And uh, then we're going to move on to our MLS call outs. Uh, I think that we're going to have Marks on the bench. I think you have to have a backup goalkeeper. And right now, the only option is Marks. I think Derek Jones is very unfortunately going to end up as a highly trusted impact sub off of the bench. I think Ben Bender is just barely going to slide onto the bench. Uh, he got used a lot in preseason. He looks like he's trying to adapt to what Christian Latanzio wants from him, and he's still popping up in really good positions. Uh, I, I think he's going to end up just on the bench. Nuno Santos, I think, will be there. Kerwin Vargas, I think, is going to end up being a highly trusted bench player. Uh, Vicinius Mello is one that I'm going to put in. He looks fit. He looks like a man. He looks good. Uh, Andre Shinyashiki, I think, is going to end up as a bench player, although we have had questions about where he fits into this team 
over the past year. Uh, and then Jalen Lindsay and Joseph Mora, I think, are going to sit as potential backups for uh, those wingbacks slash fullback roles. Jess, thoughts on the bench? I mean, I think you've got a lot of players that deserve to be on the bench. And I think with this side, there are some players that will feel hard done by if they're not on the bench. I would say I think it's going to be a really interesting battle for that sort of last spot on the bench between Chris Hagar and Ben Bender. I mm-hmm. really like what I've seen from Chris Hagar. I know that he maybe didn't get as many or barely any MLS minutes last season compared to Bender. But I think that Hagar just looks a little smoother and maybe like he's understood the system a little quicker and perhaps understands what's being asked of him. Ben Bender, the potential is there, 100%. You can't doubt that. And I think what was really difficult for Bender was that because he got off to such a bright start, there was a lot of pressure put on his shoulders for such a young guy very early on, right? I remember within the first three, four matches, people saying that, you know, he's an MLS uh, Young Player of the Year candidate, all of this stuff. And that's hard to hear, you know? And I think that for Ben Bender, growth is going to be vital and nurturing is going to be vital. And that's where Latanzio is the perfect man for the position. But that competition and back and forth between he and Hagar as two young players is going to be fascinating to watch. And I think it's only good for both of them if there is that battle between them week in, week out for who's going to be getting minutes. Uh, I would very much agree. I I ended up very slightly on the Bender side, but I am going to go to Justin. Thoughts on the bench? I mean, you know, my bench looks a lot like yours, except that the two players I have starting, uh, you have on the bench and vice versa. So... Uh, you know, in in that for my bench, we've got Tuiloma and Gaines there in, in place of Vargas and Jones. Um, I agree with Jess on on Hager. I think it's real close between him and Bender. I he has an audacity to his passing that I noticed in in you know last year and and uh, in the preseason here um, that I really like. I really appreciate and. Uh, there's also a lot to be said, you know, about that story about beating childhood cancer. And, you know, it was such a great moment in last season getting to see him and Sasha Kleschen after the, the you know, shot all those years ago of them in the hospital while Hagrid was recovering. Uh, and then to see them on the pitch together uh, was, was a great sight to see. But, you know, Latanzio, we saw it last year with Quinn McNeil getting a chance to come in and everything. He's not going to be beholden to to the players that maybe are getting paid the most money or have the biggest names or or you know have those uh, draft picks associated with them. Uh, he's just going to play the best guys. Um, the other thing that I would love to see happen in this lineup is I would love to find space for Hamadi Diop to to get in here. I think if that happens, it's Joseph Mora who gets dropped for him. Yeah, I would agree. I don't know that he's trusted yet. Um, but I am also not in Christian Latanzio's head. And when we get to go to the practices, we get to see 15 minutes of the practices, not the whole thing. So I hope that he is in the plans for the near future. I think he looks like a really good talent with a really good long ball that cross diagonal up to the right. Um, but I, I don't see him trusted immediately. I'm going to ask one more difficult question to Jess, and then we're going to move on here. And that is Jess. Obviously, Hamidi Diop is not included in this lineup. But on top of that, we have Guzman Carujo, who is coming back from injury. When he comes back from injury, do you feel like, one, he slots back into the starting 11? And whether he starts in the starting 11 or on the bench, who do you feel like that might be at the, uh, at the place of? 
I actually hope he doesn't because if he doesn't, and let me let me word this correctly before everyone's like, oh my gosh, you don't. <laughs> if he doesn't, it means our defensive unit is doing so well together, you can't afford to break it up, right? If we are keeping clean sheets week after week, if we are building chemistry, if Tuiloma and Melanda look like they're born to be together kind of thing, if we are defending well and not giving up silly goals, then it's going to be very difficult to break up that back line. Speaking as a former goalkeeper, if you can have the same back four, back three, whatever formation you're playing in front of you week in, week out, it's the best case scenario, right? When you change a player who has different attributes, who has different characteristics, who has different tendencies, it can really cause disruption in terms of your role in the game. So my hope is that it's difficult for Guzman Carujo to get back in because we are so studded in the back line. However, if we're struggling, then, of course, I think you make a change, right? You don't want to leave a guy on the bench. What I am looking for, though, knowing how hard of a recovery it is to come back from an ACL, particularly uh, not your first knee injury, we need to not rush, right? I think there is a lot of people like, we need to get him back right away. Well, the most important thing with this is you take your time and get him back as a player that looks like the Guzman Carujo that we relied on so much last season that was game-changing in so many ways defensively. If you rush, you may not get that same athletic, strong, physical Guzman Carujo back, and that wouldn't be ideal. Yeah, part of his power comes from his ability to defend on the front foot. He's really good at getting onto the back of you know people progressing the ball and cut challenges out. Uh, he's not the only one we could theoretically be talking about. I have not mentioned the fact that Adam Armour is coming back from injury. And we talked to him on the field the other day, and he said, I'm ready. I mean, he looked us square in the eyeballs and said, the, they want me to take my time so they know I'm healthy, but I feel like I could play right now, and he's coming. Um, with the way Crystal Antonzio talks about Adam Armour, I, I feel like when he's ready to go, when he's fit, he is going to be in this equation. Uh, really quickly, Justin, final thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if if Guzman comes back and displaces somebody, it's not going to be Adelson Melanda. So it's going to, by definition, you know, be, uh, oh, that Joy Loma is getting, you know, getting sat down or Sobosinski, whoever has managed to latch on to that spot next to Melanda. But it's never going to be Melanda uh, that sits if so that Guzman can come in, I don't think. Um, and then, you know, I, I've mentioned that, oh, maybe Hamadi Diop is the guy to come in to take the the that spot away from Joseph Moore or something like that. I would be incredibly happy if it's Adam. Uh, I think the idea... You know, going forward of uh, of Adam making runs in support of Kamal Yuzuyak on the left is a very exciting idea. Uh, I think the idea of the two of them defending together is is a pretty exciting idea, you know? I'm going to hold you off on that a little bit, only because I'm fairly confident we are going to talk about it more in a minute. <laughs> uh, let's move on. We are going to go into a segment that, Justin, you came up with the idea to call the MLS. I'd like you to explain it for us. Yeah, so we're going to talk about specifically for Charlotte FC, our most valuable player prediction on the season, our least valuable player prediction on the season, and our surprise player prediction on the season. So that is for positive or negative, whatever you want to do, the the player who sort of comes out of maybe Charlotte FC fans as a whole weren't expecting them. Maybe, you know, some of the, the hosts and guests on this podcast weren't expecting them. But, you know, you think that they're going to be uh, big contributors come the end of this season for Charlotte FC. All right. I am going to take host privilege 
And by doing that, I am going to give the first most valuable player pick to Jess. Sorry to put you on the spot, Jess, but who do you feel like you can see just really taking off this season? I'm going to go with Enzo. I, I am. I, I know there's mixed feelings and we obviously haven't seen too much of him yet. And it's always difficult when you come in as a DP, but just listening to him in press conferences and hearing how he talks, I think he's got a fire in his belly. And when an Argentine gets a fire in his belly and is very motivated and determined and wants to really introduce himself to the league, then I think it can be a very exciting time. He looks physical. He looks confident. I think he was trying a little bit too hard, maybe particularly in that first preseason game, to give himself an entrance for the first time playing in Bank of America in front of fans. But I think the sky is the limit for him. And it will rely on a lot of work from the likes of Sudersky and the wingers in terms of service. But I think it could be a really... If Charlotte FC is doing well, Enzo Capetti needs to be doing well. Yeah, I do feel like there is an argument that if he succeeds, we succeed. Um, I have heard once or twice that Argentina has like some small manner of football culture that they think the game is pretty all right. Um, and that when they get invested, they get a little invested. And I think we might see that from Capetti as well. I am, of course, being facetious. If you don't know, Argentina lives, eats, sleeps, breathes football. And it does appear that uh, Capetti is right up in that same route. Justin, thoughts on Capetti? Well, we'll talk a little more, I think, when we get to my potential <laughs> surprise player. And, but I want to be clear. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that Capetti is going to be bad. When I say I don't know if he's going to finish the season, I have concerns about a guy who's coming off this knee injury on this turf. Yep. The turf is a scary, scary thing. Justin, I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about the player you feel like might be your surprise or your uh, most valuable at the end of the season. I mean, I think the most valuable guy for us at the end of the season is actually going to be Ashley Westwood. I think that there's not going to be a better creator on this squad. Um, I think that he shows a degree of intelligence on the pitch that I don't think that this side's ever had. There was a it, just a single ball impressed me so much it, off a throw in during one of the preseason, and he took it on the half volley and just swiveled his hips and cracked this thing through the air up to, I think Mackenzie Gaines was starting on the right wing, but it was perfectly weighted. It was perfectly placed to get Mackenzie Gaines in behind the defense. And, and yes, it was Charleston battery and everything like that, but still the vision to hit that ball and the ability to hit that ball is a combination that Charlotte hasn't had. And I think that he is going to open up opportunities for goal scoring in a way that that just Charlotte FC hasn't experienced before. And I think come the end of the season, maybe he's not going to show up as the most goal involvements, but he's going to be the guy that's opening up, you know, the defense. He's not going to be the guy making the assist, but it's like in hockey, it's the guy who assists the assist. I think Ashley Westwood's going to be a lot of that. His free kick delivery is going to be a big deal. Um, so I see him as, as come the end of the season, the most valuable guy for Charlotte FC. Uh, I do I do think Westwood is what you would call a transformational signing. We are going to speed up here time-wise just a little bit. Um, I'm going to go into mine. I think that my uh, most valuable player is actually going to be Nathan Byrne. And my reasoning for this is Nathan Byrne looks like the general. Um, I think that any good defense needs stabilizers on the wing. I really like what I'm seeing from Adelson Milanda, but he's still young. I think having Nathan Byrne out there with him 
is going to be a huge stabilization factor for Adelson Malanda. I think it's going to give a platform for him to grow exponentially. And I think that Nathan Byrne, you, when you notice him in the match, it's because he's doing something extraordinary. And when you don't notice him in the match, it's because he's doing everything right positionally. Um, I hope he continues to play like that. He looks like somebody who showed us that he can. And I'm really excited to see how he continues to play. And ultimately the value that he provides to the players around him, whether that's Gain, whether that's Westwood, or whether that's Adelson Melanda, or whether it's everyone on the team, because they're all connected in some way, shape, or form. I really think that the value that will come out of him is not just his play. It will be how he elevates and helps others grow. So uh, I'm going to move in here. And Jess, you are protected from this one. Um, we Thank are you. going to talk about people who who we feel like have a very challenging season ahead, and we may not see what we're hoping to see from them. None of this means that these players are bad players. We are utmost Charlotte FC fans, and we want everyone to succeed. This is where we see pitfalls down the road. And Justin, I'm going to take this from you because I'm going to be nicer <laughs> than you are. My potential least valuable player is Harrison Awful. I think Harrison Awful is an incredible servant to the club. But Harrison Awful is somebody who has already in his, his year had to juggle positions. And it's never easy to juggle positions. He's now sort of looked at as being the guy out on the left fullback slot. And in preseason, we saw Christian Latanzio move the team into a, a sort of shifted higher up the field system. And we saw... Uh, Harrison Awful moving into the midfield, right? We saw Harrison Awful coming in to help protect that area when we saw uh, Bronico pushing all the way up and out onto the wings, which they've been given a lot of freedom to do. It looks like Harrison Awful is not just somebody who's kind of playing out of position. It looks like he's going to end up having to get a very attacking job and potentially two of them. He's going to be left with a fairly open left wing with a central defender who he hasn't had a lot of time to pair with yet. And I think Christian Latanzio is going to be asking him to move up and help control the press higher up, help distribute the ball, help bring a little bit of that experience into the midfield. And I am worried that we are looking at a guy and saying, Hey, I want you to do three jobs. And it is possible. Harrison awful comes in and does all of them. But we have seen some defensive frailty from him in the past. Um, I, I, I'm worried he's getting too much on his plate. Uh, Justin, do you want to get in on this one? I mean, I, I think that with Harrison, my hope is that more of his time this season is spent in that player development role that he's got than in the playtime role. Um, I, I think that my my feelings on Harrison are pretty well documented on the podcast. I'm not a huge fan of of his play, uh, so I'm I'm very hopeful that uh, he gets a lot of opportunities to help our younger players develop, and they get to prove that on the pitch. Yep. Um, and as ever, I hope he proves me wrong because he's currently wearing a Charlotte FC shirt, and so we want the best for him. Uh, I'm going to go to you, Justin. Do you want to give uh, me your potential least uh, valuable player? Well, this feels like a, a little bit of a cop-out because I was going to pick the other sort of active left-back that we have on our roster right now in Joseph Mora. 
Uh, I will say I think that Mo- that Mora has stepped his his game up in the preseason defensively at that left back spot, but you know, like some of the the issues that you might have had with Harrison that you listed there, I think that Kamil Yuzwiak in the left wing spot, and and I think Nuno Santos in the times where he's played at the left wing and moved forward. They really do like pushing forward to the end line. They really like getting up there. And that requires a left back, like you said, to get up and support that. Play in that space where, you know, honestly, where Jordi Reyna liked to sit when he was playing the left wing near the top of the 18 and be the outlet ball, be the drop back pass. And Mora has been, I think, kind of rough at that task in particular. Um. And and I feel like we should be in a position where Joseph Mora is beating out Harrison Awful, and I don't know that he is right now. And so I think that uh, it's going to get harder and harder for him. And for that reason, I think that Mora is going to be my my LVP right now. Yeah, and it's tough to say because I think it tells a lot that we have both chosen a player who the system Christian Latanzio is putting in feels like it might be leaving them behind. And I think that that is even more so showing the fact that I really think Christian Latanzio likes Adam Armour. And I think that there is a lot of, hey, Adam Armour uh, looks like an attacking player. And whether or not Adam Armour is going to play even more progressed up the pitch, uh, pitch, we don't know. But it looks like a system not designed around Adam Armour, but where you see him fitting in really, 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 really easily. And I think it's, I see difficulties for these two other guys. It it feels like we've low key slid into the surprise player announcement for <laughs> for it's Logan a, here. It does feel like we've low key slid into the surprise player announcement. But uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll switch it up. You don't know. You don't know what I'm going to do, Justin. You don't know me at all. Okay. Uh, really quick, we are going to hop back in, and Jess, I am going to go to you for your surprise player who might not necessarily stick out to everyone else that you see as. If things go right, if the dominoes fall correctly, could really could really take people's uh, breath away. You're going to have to think fast on your feet because I really think Adam Arma has a really big future <laughs> ahead of him. And not just because he scored the club's first goal, but because every time I have the privilege to talk to Adam Arma, you can tell he's truly motivated. And we talk about motivation as being such an important attribute of players. And I think that this has been a very grounding experience for him to have to watch from the sidelines, to have to take pictures, to have to be involved, but not be involved with the team. And I think sometimes when you step away, I can remember being injured myself, my freshman year of college. And when you take that step away and you watch from the outside and you want something so bad, you're a different level of determined to prove yourself when you come back to play. And I think that's Adam Armour right now. And we got glimpses of what he can do at this level before his injury and his athleticism and his smarts and his finishing and his aerial presence. And I I just think that he's a top quality player that Latanzio has alluded to belonging further up the pitch. So whether he's a fullback, whether he's a winger, wherever Latanzio sees fit, I think the best thing about Adam Armour is he's kind of got that Bram Bronico attitude as well of, you know, the grind set of making sure you're giving 120% all the time. And I think that when he comes back, he could be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, we have had the honor of interviewing and talking to Adam Armour many times, and he's very well-spoken. He really seems to understand the game. I think 
with what we know of Christian Latanzio, who is very much a coach, and we can see how he wants to develop players. If Christian Latanzio likes him that much, he must be taking to what Christian Latanzio is teaching. It's it's hard not to call him out as somebody who could really take off. Uh, and thank you, Jess, for for making sure to make me think fast. <laughs> um, instead of me thinking fast, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass the ball to Justin. Justin, who do you feel like is your surprise player of the season? Well, so this is going to tie into what I had to say earlier about Capetti. I think Vinicius Mello is going to get an opportunity. I, I think that a lot of it has has to do with I'm concerned about Capetti's ability to stay healthy. I know that Westwood's also coming off a bad knee injury, probably a worse injury than Capetti's. But I don't know that Westwood, I don't know if he's going to have to like make gut busting full speed runs as much as Capetti's going to have to do on this turf. And I don't know if he's going to have to deal with as many potential tackles from behind. When you put all of that stuff together, I think that Capetti's going to miss time. And I think that Vinicius Mello is a really, really impressive goal-scoring talent for his age. And he is going to come in and surprise people and impress people by the end of this year. Yeah. I think it's a really I good call-out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I, I, Go ahead love, I love Mello. And I think it feels like we've got a new player, right? He's had a lot of tough blows. Another player, it seems, that we're talking about players that are going to have bright seasons this year that have had really tough past seasons. And I think everyone really forgot about Vinny, right? And understandably so. He didn't feature at all. But there's a reason why he was scouted and recruited and brought over here. And as you mentioned, such a young talent that can be molded. You know, he can be that clean slate in a lot of ways because he is so young and exciting to watch. And physical and just looks like he's going to get us a lot of set pieces and that could be very helpful when you have someone like Westwood to stand over the ball and take those set pieces as well because Vinny Mello cannot help but get fouled because people are scared of him mm -hmm. he is a really big guy and you're right I do think he's gonna he's gonna win a lot of opportunities for us and Justin you and I have talked off uh off mic about the fact that he just looks like he's ready um so I think yeah. this is a really good shout out and I want to thank you as well for taking my other option. So <laughs> I am going to move on and I am going to talk about Kamil Yuzhriak, who I think has the potential to really go supernova this season. I, I, I feel like that is a little, I don't want to call it cheating because he's in my starting 11. But we saw him have some challenges in the last season. We saw him, you know, he was not able to get an MLS goal um, despite making a lot of opportunities, a lot of chances. I think he's going to have more support in the box. I think he's going to have somebody, whether it's Bronico, whether it's Swiderski, or whether it's Capetti, always around him. I don't think he's going to get isolated in nearly the same way he was last season. I think the system is going to play into his talents better. And I think in preseason, I saw him willing to use his body more. I think I saw him earning his way to the right side of defenders. So while I do, I need to see the final piece out of Kamal Yuzhriak, I think it's there. And I think if the first domino tumbles, we could see a really, really, really long chain of tumbling dominoes. Uh, last chance for you to uh, shout it out, Jess. You want to talk about Kamil? Yeah, I think that, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, what I like about Kamil is his understanding of the defensive side of the role as well. We know that he's played as a fullback for the Polish national team, had some experience there with Derby as well. 
So in this system, uh, and perhaps where we have some issues with fullbacks, we've sort of isolated that as an area where we have some concern and we already know that Latanzio plays a very complicated style of fullbacks with them tucking in. A lot of the time, it's a very difficult system to get used to. So we're going to see that they need more assistance because defensively it can cause some problems. You kind of take that risk because it has such a good uh, prop, uh, positivity in the offensive side of the field. So I think I love how Camille is able to defend, how chippy he is. He isn't the biggest dude, but he'll go in with challenges for everybody. The goal is coming. I, I get why there were many fans that were frustrated with some of the chances that maybe he let go amiss, but there was no one more frustrated than Camille Josviak, right, with those chances going away. So once he gets that first goal, I think we could see a really different player that kind of has that pressure lifted off his shoulders. Because it comes, being a designated player, there's a big load of pressure on your shoulders. So hopefully he's able to quieten some of the loudness that has been criticizing him in the past. Yeah, I look very much forward to seeing it. Justin, I know you want to get in on Kamal, but this time I'm going to hold you off because <laughs> time-wise, we have gotten a whole lot into not a lot of time, and we are going to have to start to wrap it up. First and foremost, uh, you are going to get a part two of this podcast where we will talk about our upcoming battle against the New England Revolution uh, next or this Saturday. But first and foremost, we want to say thank you, Jess, uh, so much for coming on and joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Until next time, we'll see you in part two. See you soon. And we're back. We hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we'd like to say a big thank you to Jess from Jess Talks Football for hanging out with us, for talking Charlotte FC and their first game. Uh, but we have other members of this podcast that that have a do right to talk about the, the team that they love. And uh, we are, of course, talking about another person with a name that starts with J, uh, and that's Josh. Hello, Josh. Welcome in. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, pretty well. I think we're all, at this point, just ready for the season to start, and I'm sure you are no yes. different. Um, you have access to what you have seen as my starting 11. Recapping it really quick, Sisaniega, uh, Melanda, Taloma, Burn, Awful, Westwood, Bronico, Swiderski, Gaines... Yazwiak and Capetti. I know there's one guy in there you're going to want to talk about. Um, <laughs> Justin and I inherently disagree on what is going to happen on the uh, right wing. And I think you're going to fall down on my side. Uh, do you want to tell me why Gaines is actually the correct answer and Justin is wrong? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to me, what it boils down to with Mackenzie Gaines um, and I know that there's going to be a lot of people who don't agree with this. To me, Mackenzie Gaines is the better player right now. Um, and your starting 11 on day one of a season should have your best current players. Vargas has a higher ceiling, and I think that's who Gaines' main competition for that right wing spot is. Um, but currently, in their current forms, unless something drastic has happened in the offseason, which I have not seen or heard about this preseason, Gaines is a more developed product right now. That's not to say Vargas shouldn't get a lot of time this season, but when it comes down to it, I think Gaines's pace coupled with Capetti being in the box, coupled with Westwood being able to maybe make some passes that weren't there last year, 
I think is going to be very valuable. And I don't think you have such a raw product with him as you do with Vargas. Although I am, I am willing to admit that Gaines is a little raw around the edges himself. So Justin, you actually pointed this out to me about Mackenzie Gaines. And that is with this newer system in preseason and um, Josh, I do want to confirm something that you have said, but I want it to be on the mic for everyone else. And that is you don't believe anything that happens in preseason. Preseason is all completely <laughs> false to you, correct? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter what happens in preseason. I don't care about it. Okay, fair enough. Now, now that we have that out of the way, I want to talk about how important preseason is for McKenzie Gaines. Justin, you're the one who pointed this out. Mackenzie Gaines is running onto balls a lot better with people like Ashley Westwood hitting him the long ball. Uh, it seems like he's gotten a lot more opportunities. For me, he's gotten a lot more opportunities, admittedly, in the Josh doesn't believe it exists preseason. <laughs> and we have seen the the running to the ball happen really well. And then the part where he has the ball really struggle. Would you agree with me in that assessment? Or would you say that you know, this is all kind of a toss up and uh, we haven't seen enough to make a judgment? No, I'd absolutely agree. And that's why I don't think that Mackenzie Gaines ends up getting the start, uh, you know, in this match against New England. Uh, and and at least in the short term, um, I think that Vargas has done more in this, the preseason that doesn't matter, uh, from that right wing spot in terms of the service coming in, in terms of being able to find players running into the box, in terms of putting dangerous crosses in. I'm a little concerned about Mackenzie's delivery. I absolutely love the pace. Um, and if it was just about the pace and the getting in behind and everything, then it's absolutely Mackenzie Gaines starting on that right wing. But but as it stands right now, he's not delivering to the box in the two preseason matches I've seen. Yeah, I will admit I was the I was the fence person on this one. Obviously, I, I fell on the side of Josh. Um, I say I fell on the side of Josh. I fell on the side of Mackenzie Gaines and Mackenzie Gaines happens to be where Josh has planted his flag. Um I hope that's not taken out of context. Either way, it, can uh, be. it will be. It absolutely will be. Uh, either way, I almost tipped over to the Vargas because I do think I see this as a significant difficulty. I think I saw enough times where the run-on was brilliant, and I said, amazing. That's amazing. Everything that's happened here is amazing. And then we just lost possession of the ball instantly. Uh, I still inherently believe... Mackenzie Gaines has a right to prove he can or can't do it first in actual MLS competition. I do think there's an argument that says, and Justin, maybe you'll tell me whether or not this is unfair or Josh will tell me whether someone will tell me whether or not this is unfair. Mackenzie Gaines is probably on the shortest leash. Leash is not the right word. Mackenzie Gaines has the least time to prove he's got it. I think he is one of the players who is going to have to go out there and he's going to start producing relatively quickly or there's going to be very, very quickly a, hey, Kerwin Vargas, you get the first 60 minutes of our fourth MLS match and Mackenzie Gaines ends up being the, the sub who comes on to try and be an impact. Uh, I'll start with Josh. Do you feel like that's fair to Mackenzie Gaines? I, I do. Um, when I say that Gaines is a better player than Vargas right now, I, I do believe it. But I will also admit, I don't think that the difference is that great. Um, and while I have been joking about preseason not mattering, if 
if Vargas has improved his delivery, as you guys have said, and, you know, unfortunately, because the games aren't streamed, I haven't been able to see any of them, then that is a big step forward because that is, was one of my big complaints about Vargas last year was that I thought it was a lot of hidden hope when it came to getting balls into the box. Um, and so if that is improved, then I think that that can level the playing field between him and Gaines more. But I do agree with you. I don't think that they have a ton invested in Gaines. I think he has a lot of physical tools, but so does Vargas. Um, I don't, you know, Gaines, unfortunately, um, doesn't necessarily have the backing of a large group of fans like some of the other players do. So it does feel like something where if he's not hitting the ground running, that is a very easy and um, understandable change that Latanzio would make. And, and even I, being a Gaines supporter, would understand it. All right, Justin, you feel like that's fair? Yeah. So, so Josh, kind of looking over the rest of the starting eleven that we've talked about, is there anything else that jumps out to you? Um. So the, I agree that uh, Tuoloma. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, I'm, go- I'm going with Tuoloma until someone corrects me. Perfect. Tui. 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 Love it. Um. I do think he starts. There is a part of me that that wonders. Because correct me if I'm wrong, he didn't get any game time the last preseason game, correct? That's correct. No, he was not, to my understanding, available for selection. He was there presently. I know that because I asked the media guys the incorrect question. They were like, yeah, he's here. Um, (laughs) uh, But I don't believe he was available for selection. Okay. There's a part of me that wonders if he gets the start or not. I, I would have liked to have seen him get a little bit of time in the preseason. But the bigger part of me says that this is a guy who's been in MLS for years now. He's made a ton of starts with Portland. To me, there's no reason he can't be inserted into the lineup right away. Um, And so he's the only sort of question mark I have. You know, unfortunately, I do agree that Awful probably gets to start at left back, which does not excite me. Um, but everyone else, I think, I think makes a lot of sense to, to start. I don't think that there are too many question marks aside from that right wing and that, uh, other center back, uh, beside Melanda. Yeah. We've seen it in other leagues where a a player is brought in and he already has significant experience in that league. And, you know, uh, Tuiloma comes in 27 years old, lots of experience in the MLS. Obviously we had a, a tragedy over the, this particular off season. And I think he's come in to be the guy who is going to slot right in and fill that hole. Um, Justin, final thoughts on Tui Loma before we start to look forward to our opening match? I mean, you know, we talk about him playing for Portland Timbers, stuff like that. He's, he, like I said, he's played matches with Portland Timbers too. And I just, I don't know if with an abbreviated preseason with the, the squad, everything like that, I don't think he moves right into the starting 11 right away. Fair enough. Um, and Jones did pretty well there in the preseason that, again, Josh does not believe is real. So <laughs> uh, I think that, you know, we we discuss what we think our, our best options are going to be. It's ultimately up to Christian Latanzio. And, um, well, Christian Latanzio has players he likes and, and players that have not quite uh, found his found the place in his team yet. So uh, all of this could be for completely out the window. Uh, let's move ahead. And let's start to talk about the the first game against the New England Revolution here this week, Saturday, at the Bank of America Stadium. All the the top is open. All of the the tickets are, I believe, there's still tickets available at relatively cheap prices. 
let's go to uh, Josh because Josh is our regular uh, look forward guy. Preview. Justin, help me out. Preview. Pre- Thank you. Preview. But you know, I've only been doing this for a year now. Words are hard. Josh, yep. save me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, New England is an interesting club coming into this year, I think. You know, two years ago, they destroyed the league, 73 points. Last year, they finished 10th. It was a big, big drop-off for them. Um, I think a big part of that was they they sold their striker, Adam Buxas. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Um they sold him in the summer window, and I don't think they recovered from that. At the time of his sale, he had seven goals and two assists. Their leading goal scorer for the year had eight goals. Um, so they never really replaced his production, and that really hurt them last year. They have brought in some reinforcements for this year. Um, and I really think that New England is going to be one of those teams in the six to nine area fighting for that last those last few playoff spots. Um, which, you know, might be the kind of area that Charlotte's in itself as well. Um, so I think that this is actually a pretty big game to begin the season because I think you want to sort of come out the gate strong, especially against a team who I think is going to be competing positional-wise in the East with you. Um, so, so I have a question for you sort of right out of the gate. Yeah. We have seen Christian Latanzio have his offseason, admittedly heavily interrupted and fraught with tragedy. But he has, it looks like he's attempted to push this team further up the field. It looks mm-hmm. like it's going to be a more offensively orient, oriented, higher pressing, maybe leaving space in the back, putting a lot of weight on our uh, central defenders. How do you feel like that is going to line up with what New England Revolution want to do? And are we playing into a good team for this style? Or is this going to be a real test right out of the gate? Um, you know, I think it's going to be a good test. I think that there are quite a number of variables for New England. So they have a few players who are coming in who I'm interested to see how they fit into this squad and how that affects the way that they play. What I will say is that they do have two very good fullbacks for this league and Dewan Jones and uh, Brandon By, who like to get up and down the pitch, especially Jones. Um, but by also had like seven assists last year or something like that. Um, so it's one of those games where I think if you get caught in a bad press and they're able to break it, you're going to be in trouble. Um, because with those two guys on the wings and then, of course, with Charles Hill um, through the center, a guy who just every single year gets assists after assists, um, I think they have to have a really good press. And if it's not really good, if it's not really sharp, they might have to change on the fly because there's a lot of unknowns with this team, but the one unknown is Hill. And if you give him some time on that ball, he is going to make you pay. Okay, so I think that we can safely say from Charlotte FC's side, probably the stronger wing side would end up being off on the right. Um, The just skill of Nathan Byrne out there kind of calms everybody down. Uh, would you be worried about the left for their attacking side more as well? Or is the right sort of the wing you're a little bit more afraid of? So to be honest with you for them, I- I'm curious to see what they come out in. Um, so last year they, pr- they played primarily according to uh, FB ref, a four, three, two, one. Um, mm-hmm. 
the MLS official site when they did all the previews for each squad had them. It looks like they they're predicting that they're going to be in like a four four two diamond. So I'm not really sure what they're going to be playing. It looks like at the end of last year they had the guy, their guy Bo, who's kind of a striker, playing out on the wing. They also uh, acquired Latif Blessing um, from LAFC this uh, this winter, and he's a really interesting player because. His first couple years with LA, he was an attack winger type player who scored a decent amount, assisted a decent amount, and then LA kind of moved him back into like right back positions. So it's unclear what how they're going to use him. Is he going to be another midfielder for him? Are they going to put him on the wing? So to be honest with you, I don't know what formation they're going to be playing. My gut tells me that Blessing is going to be pushed up for them. And so I think he's a really interesting and good player when he's pushed farther up. And so I, I think that the right side will be more dangerous for them, but I'm not really sure. Okay, I'm going to hit you with one final question. And this one is for actually you, because when you came into this podcast and started doing previews last year, we'd mm-hmm. already had some data in the year, right? Yep. We'd already seen how teams played. Teams were kind of already settled. What is the process like different for you this year going into it with well, ultimately, a bunch of new players on a bunch of new teams. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm a I'm a guy who I want some sample before I even start talking about it. So for New England, really all I did was look at who are their big acquisitions, right? For for this offseason. Um, it comes down to last summer they actually picked up a new striker who's supposed to replace uh Buskas. Um, he didn't have a great year last year. They picked up a blessing and then they picked up a center back, uh, to pair with Henry Kessler. Um, and then aside from that, the process is, okay, who, you know, who do we have returning on that team? We've already touched on Hill a little bit. The other big one is Petrovic, their goalkeeper, um, who has been linked to, uh, man, man United actually recently. Um, he's 22 or 23 and guys, um, if we can get one or two by him, it'll be a good day in the office. Fair enough. Uh, Justin, any final questions you want to fire off about our upcoming opponents? No, I mean, it, you know, watching some of the preseason, it, it was interesting to see. It, it looks like maybe there's some space, uh, on the wing, the way they're, they're pushing their fullbacks forward, uh, which we may be able to exploit, but uh, Vrioni, their their striker in the preseason matches that were broadcast on Apple, at least, uh, he was composed in front of the net, and so our our center backs, I think, are going to have to come for it, and our strikers are going to have, like Josh said, their work cut out for him getting stuff past. I think in that preseason game against, I think it was Orlando, Petrovic had like five amazing saves. Yeah, well, so I just mean, one, oh, one quick note on Petrovic. There is a there's a stat for goalkeeping called uh, PSXG plus or minus. Without getting too much into the weeds, basically you want your goalkeeper to have a positive one. You don't want them to have a negative one. Last year in 21 starts, Petrovic led MLS with plus 13.1 PSXG plus That's- or minus. As somebody who understands that stat, that's really good. Yes, the second that's place was Andre. Good. It, the second place was Andre Blake, who had plus ten, and Andre Blake, for my money, is the best goalkeeper in MLS. The third place person was at like six point nine, so he doubled the third place person. For further reference, uh, Gaga Slonina, who just got sold to Chelsea for fifteen million dollars or thereabouts, 
had a negative 0.5 PSXG plus or minus, and Kalina had a negative 3.6. Yeah. So okay. to, to be fair, <laughs> because this is a chance to take a shot at Chelsea, um, Chelsea <laughs> will fire money at literally anyone right now. So they will. They yes. will. <laughs> uh, Todd Bowley, the owner of Chelsea, has a money cannon, and he is happy to be using it. So I don't think we can use them as a scale for anything. Let's take this back really quick, and we are going to go into the news. So we wrap this up. We know this is going to be a long one. Justin. Yep. Yeah, so uh, real quick, we've talked a little bit about the Tuiloma trade. Uh, we have officially bought out Jordi Reyna's contract. He is a free agent. Appreciate his time with the club, but uh, he is now gone. Uh, Brian Romero, our 17-year-old who got that beautiful opportunity to, to come on against Chelsea in the friendly, is playing with the U.S. Youth National Team uh, in qualifying for the Youth World Cup and uh, scored an international goal for that team in last night's qualifier against Guatemala. Uh, it was a, a really well-taken goal. Great to see. And the big news is the playoff format is out for MLS for the season. They left it incredibly late. Nine teams will officially make the playoff from each uh, conference. Eight and nine will do a play-in wildcard game. One game at the eighth-place team's home field uh, to determine, you know, the top eight from each uh, from each conference. And then the first round of the playoffs... Uh, it, you know, it's going to be one versus the winner of the eight, nine, two versus seven, et cetera. And it's going to be a best of three, which means that each squad is going to get an opportunity to host a playoff game. If you make it in, um, you know, and then after best of three in the, the opening round, the, uh, the quarters, the semis and the final are all going to be single elimination. It's a big change. It means more teams are going to make the playoffs or at least be able to call themselves playoff teams. It's, I mean, half the league. It's all of a sudden a ton of playoff games potentially too. And you're also faced with a situation where you're going to have teams that have to play three matches in that first round that are going to go up against teams that only had to play two. There's going to be competitive changes that happen inside of the playoffs. So it's interesting. It's a little more interesting that it's, you know, five days before the season starts and we just know how the playoffs work. Um, so, you know, it, thoughts on this, guys? Because adding that many matches to a playoff, it sounds weird. It feels weird. I mean, it feels a little weird to me, but at this point in time, the MLS, I think, is where stuff gets politely spoken trialed. So this is one of the ones that I'm kind of willing to sit on my hands and, and see how it goes. I don't necessarily think that, you know, the MLS teams experience a level of cup games that has these guys playing two or three times a week like we can see in other leagues. So as far as like squad rotation, um, I, I don't think I'm going to see significant issues with like injuries. Uh, and that's my primary concern when it comes to overloaded schedules. Although you could possibly see in that, that area right in the beginning that, um, that there will be some fixture congestion. Uh, that's kind of where I'm sitting on it, Josh. I, I'm torn. I, I think it's interesting that, like Justin said, that they're doing this so quick, quickly, basically, or, or so soon to the new season. My biggest gripe is with the eight nine playoff. I kind of hate that. I don't really care about the 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 three game, the best of three for the opening. But to me, the eight nine sort of feels like um, those like playing games in the NCAA tournament, um, which everyone says they count, but everyone also knows that they don't so i don't know get rid of that just 
have eight teams best best of three that's fine we don't need a, a weird playing game and and i gotta tell you logan i think i gotta push back a little bit on the the fixture congestion with this new leagues cup if if you make it far in the leagues cup the final and the third place match in the leagues cup which as a reminder for our listeners is july and august between mls and liga mx the final for that is august 19th august 20th is match week 24 in mls if you make it to the final or the third place match in the league's cup and you're doing well in the u.s open cup you know and and there are some clubs that are going to be in the Concacaf champions league we're in fact going to play orlando city three days after they have to play a midweek match and we get the rest uh because of the the um champions league like there's fixture congestion this year for a lot of these clubs and and i think it is going to impact what happens in the playoffs with this format change and you make a pretty good point there and i may be a little bit uh jaded or maybe just you know i I don't feel it as much because i guess i'm used to other leagues where the fixture congestion is it goes on for weeks and weeks and months and months um but that doesn't mean that it's not a something we want to in general avoid i think we are going to go ahead and start to wrap it up there this is definitely going to be a long one as ever If you have chosen to spend your time with us, we love you. We hope you are super excited for this next season. You will be getting a post-react from us very, very shortly, and we are happy to be doing it. And we will talk to you after. This time it's correct. The Charlotte (laughs) FC go and take their next three points from the New England Revolution. Goodbye. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com 